0: Welcome to Let's Chat, a platform for discussions around antiretroviral therapies. Today we are discussing tenofovir alafenamide, or TAF, and its real-world application and best practice within the South African healthcare market. This podcast is brought to you by Activa Health in the interest of education, awareness and support. The content and opinions expressed are entirely those of the healthcare professionals and are not influenced by Activa Health in any way. These TAF podcasts are so accredited. To access the CPD questionnaire, healthcare practitioners can click on the link in the show notes. Today, we chat to Drs. Osman Ebrahim and Marlon McKay about TAF and the kidneys. Dr. Osman is a physician and clinical pharmacologist, very experienced in HIV AIDS and infectious diseases. He has demonstrated history of working in medical practice, both public and private, and the pharmaceutical industry. He is skilled in laboratory medicine, clinical research, laboratory skills, infectious diseases and clinical trials. He is a lecturer in clinical medicine and clinical pharmacology. Dr. Osman currently works in a private practice in Johannesburg. He also teaches doctors at the Universities of Pretoria and Witwatersrand, as well as teaching general practitioners after hours on the challenges of treating HIV. Dr. Marlin is a general practitioner specializing in diabetes, HIV AIDS, hypertension, obesity, paediatrics, respiratory medicine, as well as health and wellness. He is an experienced medical doctor with a demonstrated history of working in private medical practice. He is skilled in disease management, hypertension, diabetes management, pastoral counseling and public speaking. Doctors Osman and Marlin, thank you for your time, let's chat
1: it is so great to be with you again. Same here, Marley. On local soil. Really on local soil. I think you and I make a formidable team Uh, when we travel. Absolutely when we travel. And it's an honor to be with you. I've learned so much from you over the years. No, I've learned a lot from you, Marley. Well, outside of HIV, I think. (laughs) uh, I remember our first interaction many, many years ago, you did a resistance workshop. Yes, that's right.
0: I think in Nanda Club. It was a yeah, whole day. It was a whole day. Yes. And I said, wow,
1: this man knows, <laughs> this man knows his stuff. Oh, thank which, you. which, which brings us to an important thing. We are living, I think we are living in exciting times in medicine overall. Yeah. If you look in the diabetes Absolutely. sphere and no, and HIV is, is no better example where we've had, uh, we have had good drugs. We are getting better drugs. And today it's not just about, um, effective drugs, but we want drugs that are safe. Drugs that will take care of our patients long term. We know already that they're not going to die from HIV, Absolutely. but are we causing more problems for them in the long term in terms of our choices? And this is where we are right now. We have uh, another drug called TAF. We've had TDF for a long time, but as we know, there are renal problems, there are bone problems, and so. And here we have a drug that uh, that seems to get around that in terms of the way it works, in terms of its size, in terms of the the molecule that it is. So maybe we can just start by just highlighting again the major difference between um,
2: TDF and TEF. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Marlene, for these uh, comments that you just made. The, the, you're absolutely right. When it comes to HIV, we are now no longer treating a patient like is just this number. This is what we give. This is the way. You accept it, and that's the way it is. You can't. So we need to consider the whole patient. We need to look at this person. We need to understand what is going on socially in his life. We need to look at his all his other illnesses. We need to look at... That- like absolutely spot on. HIV is no longer an illness that we can say is going to make you die. Mm. In fact, you're going to live a better life. Your your lifespan is actually as good, if not better, than somebody who doesn't have HIV. So they're going to live well into old age. They're going to get older. They're going to develop other illnesses, like you mentioned, diabetes, hypertension. They're going to develop cardiac problems. They're going to have lifestyle changes. They're going to have social. Change. How do we now? And this is the beauty of what we have now in the treatment. We have now got a new molecule that we can add to the whole thing in the whole pot and see where do we fit it. Now, what is the difference between TAF and TDF? The difference is that it's a much, it's the same molecule, tenophobia, but in a much, much smaller dose. And as a result of that, we are causing less damage to the kidney. you mentioned now about the kidney with the tenofovir. Here, we have to understand that TAF is a much lower. Why? Because it's a pro-drug and it is only activated inside of cells. Okay, so you don't need to give it in so much of a situation. So let us Sort of think where can we yes. use TAF? Yes. What do you think, yeah. uh, uh, Marlene? In your practice, I mean, you've got a wonderful big practice. Where do you think that we are going to go with this new
1: molecule? Yeah, absolutely. So, so traditionally, we know we've always been taught: if you start a patient on on first line, turn off of a based, make sure that you check your kidney. So you call your patient back after a month and do the eGFR. That sort of guideline gives, gives, I think, gives us as doctors the false sense of impression, false sense of security that if the renal function is okay after 30 days, you've done that initial test, UNE, that then the patient is just okay with being on TDF. But we don't realize that there may be ongoing renal toxicity, which means that we need to be looking out for it you know and so maybe sure. we need to just be reminded again how is this renal toxicity going to present itself because in my mind i think the simple tests like checking for proteinuria urine dipsticks and yet we are seeing our patients every 6 months so and this
2: is an important point. How many doctors actually do a dipstick urine yes. when the patient comes to their rooms? Yes. A simple thing like proteinuria. You'll pick it up in the rooms. You don't have to go and waste your money no to go and do creatinine and et in EGFR. And we don't do it. And this, and the point, important point you've just raised here, Marlene, is that the toxicity to tenophobia of on the kidney doesn't have to happen now. It can happen one year after starting the treatment. And we must not forget. It's not just. It's because there are a person is a person. He gets some uh, body eggs, etc. He goes and he buys non-steroid over the counter in a pharmacy, and the next thing you know, he's in and renal failure. Why? Because these drugs does cause damage to the kidney when they use it together. And we need to be aware of that. And and also patients might have other hypertension. Diabetes. Diabetes. All of these things that can Mm -hmm. cause problems to the kidney. But we don't think. We think that once we've done the renal function, it's okay. Patient must stay on it for life. There's no such thing. We need to monitor that patient. Well done. I like that. That's so, so important because...
1: Especially if you, if you're running a big HIV, a fairly big HIV practice, you tend to look at your patients as someone who has HIV. And I think we started off by saying L- treat our patients holistically, especially as they develop comorbid conditions. What you. drugs are you using? Yes. Make sure that there are no drug-drug interactions with your di- anti-diabetic drugs, etc. And know what your patients are taking at home. That is true. I thing. always ask patients, bring me the whole packet. That's the thing. Not just my drug. Not it's,
2: everything, it's exactly. Not what, just, what are N, you buying? And herbal products. Absolutely. And so much WhatsApp social media tells patients this is good for you, that is good, and we don't realize. Mm. It Doctor, says, I, was,
1: I was by my auntie and they said this will help <laughs> for this, you know. And what patients also don't realize, they only think of kidney. Damage per se when they have back pain, doctor. Why do I get a pain here? And just can you just check my kidneys? And yet I have to explain to him. By the time you get any pain, your kidneys when they're in trouble are not going to pain. We pick it up, urine dipsticks, GFR kidney functioning test. So so.
2: And another way a patient can with is a. Feeling of tiredness. Yes, yes. You know, for some unexplained eye doctor, I don't know why I feel tired. And sometimes they'll say, Doctor, I feel when I get up or by afternoon, I've noticed my uh, under my eyelids, I'm starting to, to swell up. Yes. You know? And these are little signs that we need to be very careful. Don't just say it's nothing. Yes. You know, we're all getting old yeah. and this is the thing. Don't use that word. Or stress. Blame stress. stress.
1: Look, your CD4 count is fine. Yes. Viral load is suppressed, therefore you must be fine. Absolutely. Let's, let's think in a broader context, listen to our patients. That's so, right. so what happens now? So the patient comes for this six month checkup and we notice there's some albuminuria, proteinuria. the EGFR is declining and we're worried about, uh, nephrotoxicity or renal toxicity as a result of, of, uh, of TDF. Yeah. Is, firstly, is it, uh, you know, we need to know, is this reversible? Uh, um, and, and obviously, in terms of our discussion today, this is a perfect
2: time that we're thinking of a drug like TEF. Absolutely. But the first thing is, when a patient has developed renal, stop, stop the drug. Absolutely. Don't worry about the viral load going up, the CD4 might fall. Don't worry. We need to protect that kidney. Because without that kidney, we're in big in trouble, trouble for other problems. So let's stop the drug. Let us then reconstruct and see is it the tdf that caused it or is it something else okay now the problem here is that we can't now suddenly say okay it might have been the non-cirrohidose we cannot now rechallenge we have to wait for that egfr to come but we don't want to rechallenge with tenofovir in the form of tdf yes now, now why don't we want to do that the reason we don't want to do that is remember tenophobia is undergoes glomerular filtration and tubular secretion yeah. and tubular is done by the, uh, the the transporter proteins in the in the tubules mm. and the glomerular is the glomerular filtration is a very huge molecule and it will have to be forced out of the, into the That's kidney you, no. and the same thing with the transporters they have to transport a big molecule so here we don't want to rechallenge. we want to rather see can we give drugs that safer. are safer in the kidney and you know marlene what do, did we used to use before Abacavia. Abacavia. Exactly. We used to use abacavia because it had no effect on the kidney. It was metabolized in the liver and the metabolite does not have mm. any effect on but the But then kidney.
1: that comes up now. What if the patient is at high risk for cardiovascular disease?
2: Absolutely. In in absolutely. Trouble. And abacavia itself is not as potent as your tenophobia. But now the door has opened. We've got a tenophobia Molecule which may be used in renal failure, so long as our eGFR is not below, below 30. thirty. absolutely. Okay. And then we need to see: can we place that patient on on a TAF yes. regimen?
1: So, so, we place the patient on TAF. Is that uh, uh, nephrotoxicity? Is that renal to- toxicity reversible? Does the GFR come up? Absolute, Does it remain you, I'm
2: sorry about that. You're right, Marlene. The first thing is can the absolutely we need to it, see if stopping the tenophobia actually made the kidney better. Okay? That is the most important thing because it is reversible to most sex. In my practice, and I've seen a lot of renal failure, yes, there is those that have been permanently damaged from tenofovir. And then we really have to think twice. Is it worth putting this patient on a tough regimen with such damaged kidneys, even if the EGFR has reached 30? Okay, And it would have to be, for me, a lot of looking very seriously whether I'm going to challenge that patient with any form of tenofovir before I mm-hmm. use TAF.
1: So, so just in terms of clarification, we don't want to initiate TAF at a
2: GFR below, below 30. 30. Absolutely. And even if the patient now you are sure it was 10 off of you, just be wary. Think. Mm-hmm properly. Don't just rush in and say, okay, I can use it. The rep came in and told me this is the way it must be, so I'm going to use TAF. The guideline says that you need to look at the patient. Has the patient, for example, got diabetes? Has the patient got hypertension? Is the patient got already some other causes of uh, renal problems? Then we Mm. say, okay, maybe even TAF may cause, but if I can't use abacavir then I would go and use yeah. that. So so I think you, you raised such an important
1: point there. We have now something in our armamentarium that can be used safely to help the patient with their renal you know, problem. But also, l- thinking outside the box. Don't just think HIV. Don't just think the insulting drug only. Look at your other comorbid conditions and make sure. So you have to know your drugs. You have to know which drugs can can aggravate the kidney. Know your drug-drug interactions. Know the side effects. Absolutely know how patients would mind. present. You know, yes. so that um, the, I mean, worst case scenario, you give you change it to tap, and then there's still ongoing renal kidney renal toxicity or, or kidney kidney failure. Absolutely. So so it's important that we are constantly reminded of of other causes of renal failure and how renal failure or renal toxicity can, can present, present and what we can and what we can do for our patients. And I think maybe we should also remind our patients and our and our and our colleagues that that um, TDF can also cause some fancy renal syndromes. Um, um, with his with his um, renal failure and uh, tubular nephropathy, and I'm thinking, and I know you you know more about this than me,
2: but some fancy syndrome like a Fanconi syndrome. Absolutely. Now, this is a very important syndrome, and I must tell you, in all the years, I don't know if you've seen it in your practice, uh, Marlene, but I have. Now, how does Fanconi syndrome present? It's it is uh, it is something that we don't think about the patient i had is a patient that actually presented to a a, a proper specialist physician and he tells the patient uh the patient tells the doctor that doctor i'm feeling extremely tired Mm. my muscles are sore i feel extreme i can't even lift a pen okay and i just don't know what is wrong so the physician says let me do some tests does the test and says, no, there's no problem, your CD4 is, is good, you got it's in the thousand, your viral load is suppressed. This is very much a psychological mm. issue. And you and then this patient came to me and he says, This is the way I am. I said, Listen, it's a very easy thing to know if this is due to turn off of here, Okay? Because at that time we mm. didn't have that. We had to the, the TDF uh, in the form of TLD. And the patient was in the TLD regimen. And the doctor, the physician, I told him that at the end of the day, this is a very potent drug. You are doing well. You shouldn't worry about this. We can send you for some psychological count. I said, listen, in my rooms, let us see if we can make a diagnosis. And there, lo and behold, in my rooms, I found a patient who had glycosuria and uh, proteinuria. Yeah. Now, the patient was not diabetic. I did a, a simultaneous blood glucose, completely normal. normal. So then I said, listen, I need to admit you because we then need to find out what What's could be the cause. Can it be Fanconi's syndrome? Because Fanconi's syndrome, that's exactly the way. It presents with proteinuria, glycosuria. When we put the patient in the ward, we went yeah. on to do a little bit more. The reason I did it in the ward because the patient was Sick. really really sick and told me, I can't even manage. So the most important, the reason why the patient had to be, is the treatment for it is, first of all, when we admitted him, he had severe hypokalemia. And also at the same time, he had hypophosphatemia, Mm. and he had slightly raised creatinine kinase. That is why his muscles were very sore. The most important way to treat this, stop the drug and rehydrate the patient with liters and liters of, of, of fluid. And slowly but surely, the kidney recovered. The patient felt absolutely amazing. Okay, And this is one of the side effects. We need to look for this. Don't just assume. And you are right from the beginning, Marlene, you said do a protein test when the patient comes. Don't wait for the blood results to come back because most of the medical aids don't allow us to do a full renal. So you won't pick up the hypokalemia because we only do urea and creatine. And the urea and creatine is usually normal. And the same with this patient. So we need to check for that protein urea. Yeah. And we can do that in our rooms. And this is the the, the situation with this patient. And the question now, we've got a, a problem. Can we now introduce stuff in such a patient? The answer is no, because it's the so same molecule. molecule. Because this is a hypersensitivity reaction to tenofovir, not to the salt. And that is where we must distinguish. I hope this helps, I no, mean, ab- because ab- this is absolutely. this is a very very important thing for us to look for.
1: And we can save lives if we just know that. And again, it comes down to listening to your patient, just absolutely. being a little bit more observant. And there's nothing wrong with doing simple side room investigation that can that can give you a clue. Which also is important point: know know your drugs and be careful okay. where you can use, what drug-drug interactions, and whether you can rechallenge them with a uh, um based based molecule. molecule. So, in terms of, and I know the fund is our problem, um, we were just talking about how often should we then be monitoring re- for renal toxicity in terms of doing UNE? How often is, is six months okay, and how low are we watching the decline before we start getting worried?
2: Yeah. What sort of levels are we talking about? Yeah. You know, A very important point. First of all, the funders nowadays tell us we can see the patients and do a urea and creatinine at about every six months, twice a year. Some allows you maybe three times a year. Some, very few, allows you four Four times times a year. But when I've initiated therapy on a TLD or any form of tenofovir, I like to do it one month. Yes. Okay? And then, of course, they will come again in six months. But if I see... For example, a patient had an eGFR greater than eighty-nine, and suddenly they have dropped it down to sixty, even to seventy. I would say, hold it. Let us no. take a, a deep breath.
1: But now, no. but now we also told that darolutegravir can cause a decline in eGFR without in, there being any renal toxicity. Uh, now, the thing
2: Help is, me there. no. The tenofulldolitography uh, increases the creatinine yes. without so much affecting the, the eGFR. Stabilize. That is the That's difference. The it's the creatinine that will go up rather than the EGFR. eGFR. And this is what we need to be very wary of. But you right of course when the
1: urine is clear, with The urine is clear.
2: But also when it goes up, the, the the you may see a small drop. But you need to always, always just be sure. That this is not a DTG effect, yes, okay. And just assume, oh, it's DTG. Don't worry. I know it's been told in the packaging, so that this is going to happen. Don't, don't poo poo the patient yeah. away. You need to be aware that it could be a tenophobia
1: effect. Yeah. So I think again, the message is coming through very, very clearly. And uh, and 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 how how important it is to know your patient, monitor the patient, and watch out for trends. But I think this is the beauty about. Managing HIV, a condition like HIV, because we can see the trend over time, and we, we know when to trend. intervene. We see the trend in the weight, we see the trend in how the patient's feeling, and of course, and of course, the numbers. So just to clarify again, um, with the exception of something like maybe Fanconis, we are saying that when we do see the decline in renal function, it is appropriate then usually, traditionally we've been doing a backover, but now it is appropriate to consider changing our patients to TAF
2: Yes, but before I change my patient to that, I'd like to discuss this case. You see, this is the problem with us in medicine, Marlene, and you know that. We we think we know everything. Let us discuss it. It's fine. We can change, Hmm. okay? Immediately now, but what is it? Just pick up a phone, Marlene. What What do you think think of this patient? What do you think? Oh, I phoned one of my renal colleagues, and I said, this is what happened. What do you think? What could I have missed? And he may tell you things that you may have missed. And you may think that this is a due to tenophobia where it might not have been anything to do with that. And this is what we must never ever, if we think there is renal issue, phone a friend. Yeah.
1: So as a, as a younger doctor now, do we do, are we doing, I fully agree with you. And I love that. I love getting advice from, from, um, more senior colleagues. Do we do it in front of the patient at the risk of the patient saying, hey, this doctor doesn't want to know, but I feel the patient will actually have more respect for me. I, that's what I like. You know,
2: do I go out you of the bu- room? No. You see? You do it in front of the patient and you. say, let me absolutely. You need the patient to be hey, this doctor cares about me. Yes. And he's cares and enough to be humble. Exactly. To seek advice. To seek advice. And wh- that is how you get the buy-in of the yes. patient. And we would not be afraid yes. to do that. I even put the phone on speaker. Exactly. Exactly. Get it from the worst's mouth, Get and the then right you say advice. to the, there you are. Mm-hmm. I got an advice, and the patient feels so good that he, her, the, his or her condition is being attended to. And I'm not
1: sitting with one doctor who thinks he's clever, knows it all, Thank doing you. major decisions. That because I mean, yeah, the kidneys already impaired. Exactly. You're making a. How do I know that this is going to make this, my kidneys uh, exactly. better? And exactly. if you, at least I see my doctor consults with somebody. It's a good thing. So if you are saying that these patients can can run the risk of renal toxicity further down the line, what about then just initiating them on, on TEF from the get-go? Is it is it a good idea? Should we be considering TEF as first line, or is it where we individualize treatment and looking at our patients' characteristics? But
2: that's exactly it, Marlene. We need to individualize treatment. So we have a patient coming in, has got a story already of hypertension, has got a story of diabetes. Now, what is the drug I would love to give that would be safe? Because we already know these two diseases. We have an older patient, maybe just starting treatment at the age of 55, 60. Why do we want to subject the kidney to more damage? As Because as you know, renal function does deteriorate as you get older. So we need to be very. So, is this the correct time to start a patient on TAF? And the answer is yes. You know, because we have a here, We have TAF. That is now opening the door for us. Before, we did not have these choices. Now we have. And why not? Why not? And let us sit and think, can we put this patient on TAF? Because remember, at the end of the day, until the EGFI is below 30, we are quite safe. The so the only restriction would be the funders. The funders. If the funders are, are happy to come to the party with us, then we are ready. Yeah. You know? We're giving our patients the best choice. And I think that's the way we should approach it. Absolutely. And so we are saying
1: that look, there's nothing wrong with T D F in the younger patient. It's a good drug. You get adequate viral suppression. Absolutely. Just maybe think about something in the older patient, more comorbidities, where your kidneys are at risk, and you want something that is more renal protective. We're looking at osteoporosis and bones as well. Absolutely. So so just weigh that up. And now, as we are saying, we have a drug like TAF that is available that will be more beneficial more or less beneficial, risky or less for risky. our patients. How do you think the funders are going to take, take all
2: this? I think you know yourself, Marlene. At the end of the day, funders are very prone to price. You see, and whether it is in the guidelines or not, and I'm quite sure the South African guidelines are going to introduce tap as a, as an alternative to a back of So everybody must come to the party. Remember, at the end of the day, we need to give the best choices to our patients. So the pharmaceutical industry, the funders, everybody, and the guidelines, all everybody must come to the party and make this drug available at a cost that would be beneficial, beneficial for everybody.
1: Yeah. Ultimately, it comes down to our patients. It's our patients. What, what is best for our what patients? Our for our patient. And if our patients understand what is best for them, they, they too can also add their voice to what they need.
2: And I think earlier when we were having a discussion, Marlene, you say patients are even happy to pay a little yes. money. If they feel it's going to be the best, they can do a co-payment on that. Absolutely. On their, we, and, we should, we should refrain from assuming. That's right. Assuming
1: that our patients either can't afford it or yeah. are unwilling. And I think when you weigh up, I mean, a kidney is a kidney. A kidney is a kidney. kidney, You know, if you want a so-called drug that is toxic to the kidney, and we can offer you an alternative, I think patients would be willing to. to. But you're right. We all need to come to the party. Yeah. We as we as doctors, I I mustn't be lazy to do those motivations. I must get my patient on board. Seek advice. Get everyone know your drugs know what's best for the patient and know the side effects of the drugs that we are are. are, are, using. And and
2: then we, you know, we are giving the best health care we can and this is what we, ultimately why we took a note to be another doctor Uh,
1: This is why we went to med school to study. And so it it is exciting times and uh, I've learned a lot from you, Oz, and I thank you. No, thank you, Marlene. You know, I enjoy discussing things with you. And as I always say, I hope, we can take this and apply it to the next patient that we see exactly at our next and I hope
2: we will be able to now the most important take home message please do a urine dipstick absolutely if that is the one thing a i would say one after this talk thing. is for us to enjoy yes. it's just a simple yeah. thing we pick up immediately in my practice
1: while the patient is waiting once the patient thank comes, you. check a blood pressure exactly. check the weight and do a dipstick. Thank by you. the time they
2: come in you have it you have the other thing you know what to you. do absolutely thank you very much thank Osfer. you thank you for your time Marley.